Usually at this point in the service, we have you raise your hand to pass out Bibles so we can follow along in the preached text, but this morning we're going to do something different. I suspect most of you are back for the new year for the first time. I saw some of you last week. You're back from the holiday break, and I know some of you are ready to make a fresh start. Maybe you want to get your spiritual life in order. Maybe you're rested. Perhaps you're eager to respond to what God wants to do in your life. I just sense that maybe this morning you're really fresh, right? You're, you're, you're open. God, whatever you want to do with me. And I thought this morning it would be best to just give you the words of Jesus. In fact, what I'm going to give you this morning uh, is not, are not my words, but actually the, the, the most famous words ever spoken. Uh, it's, in, in fact, the, the, the f- most famous sermon ever And I wanted you to hear it fresh this morning so you can act on the words of Jesus. And what I've been doing uh, over the last uh, few months, anticipating today, uh, because I wanted you to hear it fresh, I've been trying to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. So this morning you can hear it fresh as if you were there when Jesus was given the Sermon on the Mount. And what I want you to do this morning is not read along in the Bible but act as if you were hearing Jesus' words for the first time and responding to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. So all other Sundays, look at your Bible, but today, just listen. But before we do that, I want to make sure you understand what you're hearing before, you, before we jump in. We're not just going to randomly study the Sermon on the Mount over the next few weeks. Uh, we're actually going to the book of Matthew, and now we are at chapter 5, 6, and 7 of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to know what you're hearing. So there's a great crowd surrounding Jesus as he gives this sermon, but I think one of the keys to understanding the sermon is that the sermon is not primarily addressed to the crowd. It's addressed to his followers, and he is telling his followers how to live within the kingdom, how to live with under the reign of God, how to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And as he is giving this sermon, these are Uh, people who are hearing it who desire to follow Jesus and they want to respond. So don't think this is a sermon on how to to get in, how to get into the kingdom, how to get into heaven. This is a sermon of those who have responded on how to live a godly life under the reign of Christ. Now Jesus also understands that he's not just speaking to his followers. There is a large crowd that is listening as well. And so he is speaking to the crowd who are not yet followers of Christ. Hey, this is the way you live in the kingdom. He's trying to entice them to come in by grace. Not do all these good works to get in, but look at the way you can live within the kingdom and to come in by grace. So for those of you in here who have repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, this sermon this morning is the kingdom norms for you. It is the way that God expects you to live by the power of His Holy Spirit and by grace. And for those of you who in here who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ, may this sermon entice you to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ and then move out in discipleship. What's interesting is that when we enter the early church uh, after the New Testament, did you know that when you were going to disciple someone or you were going to be discipled as a new believer, the primary text, the primary manual of that discipleship was the Sermon on the Mount? Do you ever think about that? 
when you're on campus and you're going to disciple someone, where do you start? There's nothing wrong with starting in Romans. nothing wrong with starting in Galatians or things like that. That's great. Use the whole Bible. But don't neglect the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount for centuries has uh, been used for discipleship, for those who follow Jesus, how they are supposed to live. Jesus is projecting in his sermon uh, a particular heart change, attitude change, that comes about as we live within the kingdom norms under his grace. There are certain areas that he addresses within this sermon that I think can affect every single person in here. As I have been pastoring this church for almost seven years now, there are reoccurring issues that keep coming up in counseling. There are reoccurring issues that keep coming up as I interact with you on Sunday morning. There are recurring issues that keep coming up in my life. And if I could, like, categorize certain issues, I would hit five topics that I see consistently going on with struggles in our lives. Five issues that I see coming up time and time again of many that Jesus addresses within this sermon. Let me just hit those five quickly so hopefully when you hear them within the sermon, you'll be more intent on what he actually says. Issue number one that I see coming up time and time again within our church, those of us who struggle, I see the issue of anxiety and worry. Anybody struggle with anxiety and worry? Maybe it's over provisions, money, maybe it's relational. And and Jesus doesn't just say, come on, just don't worry. Stop worrying. He doesn't do that. He says why? He says, do not worry because your father cares for you. Your father loves you. Listen for that portion of the sermon. And he's giving practical steps and ways to escape worry by his grace. Listen for it. Another issue that comes up time and time again within our church is the issue of lust. One of the elders in our church made the comment. He said, what if every man in our congregation was free from pornography? Is is that such a lofty goal that we say, no, that, that can't happen? What if every man and woman was free from not only that, but every form of impurity and lust. Listen carefully as Jesus addresses this issue and gives this form to escape the temptation, to to remove all forms of temptation and walk in purity. Listen for it. The third issue I notice coming up time and time again with our congregation is those um, in here who struggle with people-pleasing. Anybody struggle with people-pleasing? You think, surely that's not going to be an issue 2,000 years ago when Jesus was given this sermon. And yet he spends, I would say, probably the biggest chunk of his sermon is on people-pleasing. Listen for it. He'll talk about doing your acts of righteousness to please man or to please God. Listen for it. Let's work these issues out in our lives. The fourth thing I'm seeing reoccurring time and time again within our congregation is the idea of anger. Many of you have had anger issues that have been raging out of control for years. You have not brought those under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You are stuck in a vicious cycle of anger. Pay attention this morning. 
as Jesus gives practical grace steps of moving toward love and reconciliation with others as God has moved toward us with love and reconciliation. What you'll find in this sermon is that everything that we are called to do is rooted in the character of God and what he has done for us in Christ. And the last area that I see reoccurring time and time again is the issue of greed. Jesus talks about money a lot. And in this sermon, he'll talk about whether your treasure is in heaven, whether your treasure is on earth. And our hearts will either be focused on God's kingdom or the kingdom of this world. Listen to what he has to say about redirecting our hearts and how to get our hearts storing up treasures in heaven. Listen to those things. I think as we enter this new year, I know many of you have perhaps set um, New Year's resolutions. You have set goals of things you want to achieve. Before you step out any further into this new year, ask yourself this question. Are the goals that I have set and the New Year's resolutions I've made, are they from God or not? Like, what are your goals? Maybe you've made it your goal this year that you're going to run a marathon. Maybe you've made it your goal this year that you're going to take this great vacation. I mean, in, in the eternal perspective of things, and as you pull back and look at your life, there's nothing wrong with doing either one of those, right? But have you truly asked God, God, what are your goals for me? And if you ask God, to show you his goals. He's clear in his word. His goals for you, I mean, just to start naming a few, uh, purity, contentment, caring for the poor. And you just go on and on and on and on and on. And I'm just asking you. I'm not trying to make you feel terrible if you're going to run a marathon this year. I hope you do great. But think about what God may have intent for you in his word of what the goals he wants you to accomplish. Can you imagine and say, I just finished a marathon, but I am totally sexually immoral. That's just stupid, right? That's just stupid. Let's just think that our goals are in line with what God's goals are for us. And by His grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and the community around us, we will have some traction before we eat, before we enter 2012. Wouldn't that be nice to have some movement before we enter 2012? So as you listen this morning and you think, man, I'm just convicted, you start feeling this despair, remember God's grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted, right? So that's a good thing. We can turn to his grace and the forgiveness offered to us and his sacrifice on the cross. And as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can actually live under the reign, under the lordship of Jesus, and kick out all these idols. So as this morning, as we dive into the Sermon on the Mount, don't read your Bible. I can't believe I'm telling you that. Don't read your Bible. Listen. Be open. The Holy Spirit speaking to you as you hear literally the words of Jesus Christ speaking right to you, awakening you to follow him. What joy is there? Significant joy is there. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go for it.
And then I'm going to pray again. And then we're going to worship. Sound good? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you to do significant things here as you did 2,000 years ago on that mount. I have no idea who all was there when you gave these words and as you've been giving them throughout the centuries to awaken people, to convict your people, to draw your people to a path of love. I ask you to do significant things this morning to your followers, to the crowd that's assembled who does not follow you. Do significant things this morning in my life in the lives of my brothers and sisters. Awaken them this morning. Turn our eyes away from the broad path of destruction. Show us how to follow you on the narrow road that leads to life. Move by the power of your Holy Spirit through your words. May this famous sermon from your lips ring out in our hearts this morning and turn us into worshipers of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything. It's said to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and, and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he is like a man who is very wise. And yet, 
those who do not practice my words are foolish. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give to her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs of you. And whoever asks of you, give to them as well. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. And hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the just and unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Oh, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot love both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? Is the body more important than clothes? Look at, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets.
Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that your word will not return void without accomplishing what you desire. And I do not completely understand everything that you desire this morning for each individual person. But for whatever you spoke, to certain men in here, may they act upon it. To certain women in here, may they act upon it. May we not be those who hear your word and do not obey it. May we not be those who built our lives on the sand and when it's all said and done, there is a great crash. May we build our lives upon the rock by your grace. May we move out and obey your commands by the power of your Holy Spirit, may we exhibit fruit in our lives. May we not come to a day where we're saying, Lord, Lord, and you're telling us that you never knew us. May we come straight to you by faith in your finished work on the cross and be forgiven right now. May we act upon your word 
by your grace, by your power, may we not step away from your word. May we not go home today and waste our time and waste our lives. May our goals today or may our goals this year be centered on knowing you more and exhibiting fruit in our lives. For your glory, Lord, do a work among us that does not end but continues. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to take up our morning offering if the ushers would like to prepare for the offering. This is our opportunity to give, to store up treasures in heaven and not on this earth. It's interesting that you think my, your heart is not going a certain direction, but your heart typically follows your money. If your money is stored up on this earth, your heart will be upon this earth. If your money is stored up in heaven, your heart will go that direction. Your heart will follow your money. So let's give now at this moment to the glory of God with joy and cheerfulness.